1: Do you ever wonder how to take some big steps to get some big advance over your competition? Well, to answer that question and talk about those topics, Tony Bodo, Tony, welcome. Thanks, Joel. It's great to be here. Hey, nice to do it. Nice to have you. So uh, tell me, so what uh, what are some of the big things companies can do to uh, get a giant jump on their competition when it comes to taking care of their customers? What are uh, the best customer the best companies doing that the other people are not?
2: I would say the first thing that they can do is really understand what they're promising. Because when you make a promise, your customers expect that. And if you don't deliver on that expectation, you're missing the boat immediately. And that's
1: um, that's actually uh, what people usually talk about being a brand. The promise is the brand. Is that I mean, right? I mean, so do you have a different take on that?
2: No, I, that's absolutely correct. Uh, what happens, though, for a lot of companies is that they make a promise, but they don't build the systems, the operations, the strategies to actually deliver upon that promise. So they're they're aspirational in their marketing, but they never quite reach that. And that's why they get low reviews online or terrible customer satisfaction scores. And it eventually leads to a loss of their customers as a result. Well, let's think about that for a second. Is it uh, that these companies
1: just get too big to control uh, their their lines of, of of employees? Is it that they just really don't care that much? Uh, you know, is it just a lot of blah, blah, blah? You know, I, I mean, let's, let's take a harder look at that because it, it's a real problem.
2: It is. There's a couple of reasons for it. Really. One comes down to this idea of marketing the aspirational. Uh, where do I want to go? Who do I want to become? And not connecting within the organization to the operations team and figure out what can we actually deliver upon. So it'd be like, you or I making a product or a service and promising that it's going to solve world hunger. And yet all we do is feed the neighborhood kids, right? It's, it's kind of that idea. Um, And I think it really comes down to this disconnect between the marketers and the people that have to do the work in the business and the lack of feedback between the two.
1: You know, uh, listen, there's a, there's a lot of teams and companies that it takes to make things happen. You have the marketing team, which you just mentioned, You have the delivery team, the operations people, whoever they are, but you got salespeople. Then you have executive people that, uh, you know, are kind of barking out some orders. So, uh, I mean, how do you coordinate all of these things and keep the customer top of mind all the time?
2: How, How do the best companies do that? The first thing they do is actually listen. They're listening to their customers to really understand what are the three to five moments in the entire journey that the customer goes on that they remember sometime afterwards so it could be a a day later a week later but it's it's what's in the story they're telling other people over coffee or at the water coolers you know you and i might have have had in an office environment um what's that story they're telling what matters to them and then making sure that that's the promise they make and that's also how they deliver with excellence you know
1: i was thinking this morning there's a there's a software that i i recently bought it's one of these software as a service it's a free app and then you can upgrade it was 30 bucks upgrade and I'm thinking, I just love this software. I, I would pay triple. I'd pay quadruple for mm-hmm. this. And, you know, I just, I think it's awesome, you know, and, and they just, you know, I mean, they're, they're probably making a lot of money in $30, but uh, they just deliver such a great product and it's helped my productivity so much. Um, you know, how often does that happen? I mean, how often are companies delivering where somebody says I would have paid more than I paid? How often?
2: You actually have to deliver at that level if you want to keep your customers loyal, and I think we've seen a shift with uh, software as a service as an example, the software you're talking about. you know people would move from paying 10, 15, 20 dollars a month much higher than that as long as they feel like their their value is greater. And the key is the value is not in lowering the price, the value is in delivering experiences that really matter. Uh, which really goes beyond just delighting people and making them happy. It's how engaged are they? How meaningful is it what they're doing with your product or service? Um, are they achieving some life goal? Those are types of things that you can look at and say, well, those are more valuable than the thirty or forty or a hundred dollars a month. So I would definitely pay for that. So
1: why is it that some companies just get it better than other companies? I mean, what let's, I mean, if we can really dissect, what is it about some companies? that make them really good and other companies just really not so much.
2: I think a big part of it comes back to this from the eighties and nineties, we had this philosophy of quality improvement. So we were looking for the defect. We figured like in manufacturing, if we fix the defect, then we'll be okay. We'll have happy customers. And if you understand positive psychology, which has also developed in the last 20 years, what they've come to realize is that, you know, just fixing a problem doesn't make people happy. Happiness comes from a lot of other places like, delight and the hedonics, the things that we normally would go to cheerfulness and happiness. But even beyond that, it really goes to things like engagement. You might've heard of the state of being in the flow, like athletes being in the zone, right? Or being one with the music. If you're listening to a great orchestra, it's things like that, that come into play. And when companies can do that, you may have heard the concept of gamify where we create games out of tasks. That's an example of engaging people and, and really helping people to move to a new level.
1: You know the software that I was telling you about. Uh, they have a little game thing of a point system, and you know when you do certain things, you know you're getting points for them, and and it's totally silly and ridiculous. But you know what? It kind of it's kind of fun, and I and I kind of it kind of makes it like uh, it's very childish. But you know what? I guess there's a little kindergartner inside of each one of us that we don't uh, always acknowledge, but but is really there. And and you know what? It just has kind of been fun. So what, what I'm hearing you say really is that we don't suck, and that should be good enough. You know, a company's goal is not to suck. And, and that, that's probably not a great goal. I mean, the best companies are doing something that's extraordinary. Now, they don't have to do something that's revolutionary where they're, uh, you know, inventing something because that, that's a hard thing to do. But, but the best companies do more than just like not be terrible. And, and, and I would say that probably a lot of companies have a goal of let's just not be terrible.
2: Absolutely, And they, they really look at it and say, "Well, what can we fix the problem today?" And tomorrow, they're, they're focused on that transactional moment. And, and the reality of is, if you look at, let's say, the software you're using, you may use that a few minutes a day, maybe an hour a day. If you add up all of the minutes together, but how does that relate to your life as a whole? You've got 24 hours in the day. How does that affect what you do? If you have a, a good engagement and you get something done right now, you get this boost of dopamine and serotonin, all these other brain chemicals that really you know, lift your spirits and then you go on and you achieve something else. So it's, it's this ripple effect across our day and across the week. And if you look at the studies, uh, just take Facebook as an example. They did a study uh, somewhat unethically, I would say a few years ago where they found that even just the shifting of the post to be slightly positive or slightly negative, on one day could have an effect for a few weeks afterwards. So you think about the effect a great customer experience has like you using your software, you having a, someone smile at you at, at the coffee shop when you pick up your coffee in the morning, that could be an effect for days or weeks on end.
1: You know, I fly a lot. I don't know uh, you know, I travel a lot. I, you know, I travel speaking and go places and things like that. And, you know, uh, I get these surveys from the airlines you know how did we do uh, every single flight uh, in every single direction you're always getting these surveys and number one uh you know these surveys are not too short they don't take five seconds they, they usually take uh two or three minutes sometimes the companies will ask for 10 minutes and you know anything more than 20 seconds i'm probably not doing it but you know when i think about the airlines you know it's a commodity it's a seat i'm going somewhere uh you know i mean i expect a minimum amount of service and i don't care if they were doing handstands you know it's just an airplane it's just a seat yeah. i mean what can they do about that that you know the, the commodity experience i mean you know listen i have been recently uh, i had been uh, loyalty united for a long time and, and then I, the stuff places i was going american became more convenient and recently i've flown delta several times and i'd never flown delta before but but you know they're um, they've got usb ports on their uh in their in their first class cabin, and they've got uh, you know better electricity than some of the other ones. I uh, they, they they do have a couple of amenities that are kind of better that I kind of prefer, and and the configuration of their planes is pretty handy. I mean, they're they're they really have done a couple things. I mean, so uh, you know I don't know they they just seem to have maybe newer better configurations, and and they maybe they care a little more. You think they do?
2: Well, I think there's definitely something to that. I mean, the features of the product or service definitely come into play. But I think too often we get caught up, even as a customer experience expert, I see myself kind of getting caught up in that circle sometimes of, oh, it's the newest feature, the newest benefit. But the truth of the matter is it comes down to what the human being is trying to accomplish. So you don't get on a plane because you want to be on a plane. You get on a plane because you want to go from, you know, San Diego to Boston or wherever yeah, it may be. Right, right. Right. And 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 so if if the airlines, if the hotels, if the companies would recognize it's not about them. We're on the plane because it's really about what we're trying to achieve in our lives. We're trying to achieve in our business. Support that. So if you get on a plane and the Wi-Fi is not working, that's a pretty serious thing. I mean, five years ago, <laughs> we wouldn't even have had this conversation. We said Wi-Fi on a plane.
0: That's you know.
2: so you've got to keep making those advances. Those are those are kind of a baseline given. You've got to see where things are going. But let's let's go forward. You know, three, four, five years from now. Are they going to have the ability for us to do virtual reality or augmented reality on the plane? You know, there, there's this constant, almost what's called a hedonic treadmill. If someone is doing it, we've got to have the, be able to have this experience no matter where we go, right? Um, but the other side to it is, what if what if they had a way of connecting us better? I mean, if they have great articles in, their, in the little magazine that's in the flap in the back, the pocket in the back of the seat, and they can connect us to people that we would like to know better, things like that. If we're business travelers, that's a great thing. But if you look at the difference between American and Southwest as an example, Southwest gets phenomenal reviews consistently and it's primarily because they they tend to have a very inexpensive flight. They're right up front about the, the flaws in their service. We only serve peanuts, right? You'd think of that as a flaw. They don't serve meals. They're point-to-point destinations, but they tell you on the front end so you know what to expect. And if that's what you want, that's exactly what you get and you love it. American, you know, it's the, the challenge there. You might see, well, they don't get off the ground quite as fast, you know, there's delays more often. I mean, don't fly to DFW with American. It's just not a great place to, to go in and out of. I've been there many times. Um, but as an airline as a whole, they may be a great company. And so just really understanding when you're, when you are the company, you've got to understand why are people coming here? What do they really want? What are they trying to achieve? And how do we deliver upon that?
1: You know, my experience uh, with Southwest, which is a good experience, and and I fly them whenever I fly in California. I I, I live in Los Angeles, so I always fly them anywhere in California. Um, But, you know, what's interesting, they're not really any cheaper. Their their seats are not cheaper. Uh, They they look like they are, but they're really not. Uh, But they've got a culture. There's a certain culture. Um, You know, they say, okay, everybody line up. Everybody just knows what to do. Yeah. And, and they've just kind of, you know, trained us over, over 20 years. Uh, we know how to line up. We clean the plane for them. I mean, people are more courteous. I don't know what it is that they've done. For, maybe, maybe it's that the uh, flight attendants are, are a little funny. They're a little more relaxed, uh, you know, and, which is nice. What I've noticed, uh, and this has happened a couple of times on Delta, is that the pilots have come out and spoken to the passengers. Yeah. That's really, now, it happened the other day the pilot was totally uncomfortable. You could tell he was very uncomfortable doing it, but he pushed himself and he did it. And I thought it was very nice. He said, Hey, listen, I just want to let you know. And this wasn't like over the loudspeaker. This was like, he came out and talked to us and mm-hmm. he said, I just want to let you know that, uh, you know, the, there's going to be some clouds in the Midwest and we're going to be having some bumps. So we're going to be doing this. We're going to go around and we're going to, it, it was kind of nice. You know, I mean, there's a little bit of a connection to the guy flying the plane, which was a, a very cool thing. Um, and Southwest, I think that they have made that their, yeah. their their hallmark. I mean that that's the one thing that they've gotten people to be nice. I mean, people are not nice on airplanes. They're just people are in the, at their worst. They're, mm-hmm. they're cramped. They're they're uncomfortable. They're in line. The worst of, of human beings comes out at airports, you know, because we're under pressure and everything. But Southwest has kind of managed to uh, make it a little more fun, maybe, and make mm-hmm. make it a little bit less, uh, you know, a little bit less bad. And and that that's. I think that's a whole case study by itself.
2: Absolutely. And there's a few things that come to mind as you, as you talk about the differences there. One of the things that really matters, and we've seen this with any service oriented business where there's a lot of frontline human to human connectivity. And that is that if you want a five-star review on a line, or let's say you've got a, you know, one through 10 survey to get that top score. There's, there's an element of relationship that really matters. And You've got to have a connection with another human being. So hotels, we see this over 90% of the online reviews that are five star. They have a mention of a staff member or a department that really helped them. You get to a four star and below. And until you get down to the one star, it just disappears. There's no mention of the human. There's just the, the features of the property and things like that. But it's the human that makes the difference. Now, if you look at the one-star reviews, that's where they get into the person was rude. They were unpleasant. They were terrible to me. And so So it's it's, it's, still about a person. (laughs) It's still about a person, but it's the The extreme top and the bottom. Exactly. And I think Southwest is in a really good job of understanding that human connectivity, the human relationship. And and again, they promise these uh, non-critical flaws. They actually tell you we have these flaws in our delivery. We know it. We're not going to hide it from you. We're going to be right up front. And they even joke about it sometimes on the, you know, when they're on the loudspeaker. But you get something like some of the other airlines, and they're they're focused on how they can be the best airline out there. They're the most comfortable. They keep promising the better, better, better experience. And if they don't deliver, they're automatically in a bad situation. Southwest, you kind of take it for granted and say, you know what, it's not everything is going to be perfect. And so when they exceed that imperfection, they're already. In a five-star range,
1: you know, I've never, I've never thought about uh, any of the things you're mentioning as flaws. I, I just Southwest. This is our culture. You know, we we are a very uh, low frills arrangement. We give you a soda, we give you peanuts, and, and you know the truth is, I'm mostly flying for an hour, just yeah. maybe just a teeny more. So, it's what else do you need? I mean, if I want lunch, I'll go get my own lunch. You know, I mean, it's not like you're on the plane for hours and hours and and, and there's nowhere to go to get some food. I mean, uh, it's not a big deal, you know, and and I think that uh, in a certain way, uh, you know, we kind of carry on. We've kind of, in our own culture, we've become a little bit too uh, demanding or, uh, you know, we're a little out of control ourselves. And I think there's kind of a happy medium. Companies need to do good, but people need to do good too. And we need to kind of think about how, uh, you know, what's reasonable. So let's talk about some other kinds of companies. What are companies that are doing great? I mean, what what companies, what categories of companies are doing great?
2: Well, one company that I think is just doing phenomenal right now is Chick-fil-A. And just to give you a couple stats on that, Chick-fil-A charges $1.85 for a large Coke versus McDonald's that charges a dollar. And McDonald's makes about $2.2 million per location. They've got a little over 14,000 locations. Chick Fil A has got about twenty two hundred locations. They make four point four million dollars, and they're closed on Sundays. Really? Yeah. You start looking at the stats, and it's it's phenomenal
1: across. So, the- so where so where's all that margin coming from? Is it coming from uh, more profit per customer? Is yes. it more customers? I mean, what what is what is the where's it coming from?
2: Yes, and yes, they end up making about a dollar forty more per ticket or per customer that comes through the drive-through, uh, comes through the store. They also have more customers coming in in that time frame. One of the things that Chick Fil A really focuses on is that human human to human experience. Um, the QSR uh, industry report came out a few, maybe a year ago. I saw the first one, and they talk about how. The statistics, 97%, 95% you'll, of the time you'll see Chick-fil-A, has a, the, the employee has a smile on their face. They, they're thanking you, they're greeting you, they're saying, how can I help you? But you look at some of the other quick service restaurants, they're very far down that list, maybe 50, 60, 70% of the time. And that little difference, it's like taking the dine-in experience of a sit-down restaurant, and putting it in the drive through. And so we're willing to pay for that because we like being greeted. We like being treated well, we like being appreciated, which is what Chick-fil-A does. They have, they, they invest their money really in the training and the hiring of the right people. They, they build very strict uh, guidelines and rules around how they bring people on board, how they train them. And then as a result, they end up with a higher quality, uh, Experience for the customer. If you go out there right now and you you look for viral videos about Chick Fil A, typically it's about the good things that are happening. You do the same thing with McDonald's. McDonald's is a great company. I'm not picking on them, but you'll see viral videos about employees getting into arguments with customers. That's just a reality, and it's because of the different practices they have.
1: Well, let's talk. Let's go back to culture because you know culture is just such an important thing. I mean, absolutely. Uh, first of all, it's it's a uh, it's a religious owned company. Mm-hmm. And maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe they indoctrinate their people to to be kind and courteous in a certain way. Uh, maybe they look for that in the interview process. I mean, uh, maybe they hire uh, for that to begin with. Uh, do you have any insight about that?
2: There is definitely a part that they do hire that. They do uh, indoctrinate that. Um, someone was just telling me a story recently that their, ch- their child got hired. I think 16, 17 years old got hired. And the parents had to be involved and had to be aware of some of the promises that the child was making. Because... They, the parent was seen as part of this process to make sure they get there on time, make sure they show up you know, dressed appropriately and all that. And I think it, it does a really powerful thing for the parents and the and the youth bonding, but it also helps that commitment level of the youth saying, oh, this is a really serious thing I'm doing here. And so they step up to another level. Um, so it's definitely the culture that they have. Southwest is very much the same way, non-religious at all, yeah. but they have this culture of really hiring specifically to certain characteristics doing group interviews so they say are the is this person a good fit for the organization or not so I think you look at culture and that's really someone said culture eats uh strategy for lunch and I think that's a, actually a very valid statement
1: probably so let's let's I want to stand this for just a bit more because it's really uh, it, it this is so pivotal pivotal for so many companies so uh, you know what you're talking about for chick-fil-a is is really family values that that really nice families, nice people. But McDonald's also does does very very good at hiring uh, people that that maybe wouldn't get hired somewhere else. That maybe uh, maybe uh, uh, people that have disabilities that are uh, that are a little bit kind of outside uh, the norm in some way, and and that is a really nice thing. What they do is they bring them in. And they, they mainstream them in the best way. I mean, they give them a job and they help them feel successful and, and positive. So there must be something that they're not doing just right uh, at the store level. And maybe it's because
2: they're, they're franchises. Is, is Chick-fil-A franchised or is it company-owned stores? Chick-fil-A is franchised. However, my understanding is right now a franchisee can only own one store. And so they've got to keep their focus on that store. They can't own multiple locations. I think the, the challenge that, that we see with McDonald's when you go look at the reviews and, and the opinions online, the reputation, they're very inconsistent. So take a look at TripAdvisor or Yelp and look at one of these restaurants. And so what you'll see is about an even mix often of five, four, and three stars. And that's a very, very clear indicator of inconsistency. Either the expectation, what you're promising people, is not being delivered upon, or you're attracting the wrong the wrong type of customer. Not every customer is right for your business. Um, McDonald's is very good from a perspective of we're going to provide you the same experience every time. That's what they're there for. It's about consistency. Yeah,
1: that, that's kind of that's kind of their their hallmark. Exactly. But, yeah, is the but, same the same hamburger, the same soda, the same French fries yeah. anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. Uh, You know, and more or less the same experience, but maybe that experience isn't good enough.
2: I think that's really the key is I I think because of the consistency in the product that they offer and the locations they offer, one of the challenges, they haven't built that level of consistency um, with when you're competing with someone like a Chick-fil-A or competing with the Southwest, you know, they're in that low cost uh, genre but they're not providing that human experience that really matters to someone. And I think that's a big piece of it. Another piece of it is when you go to something like a McDonald's, you know um, the number of reviews we've seen online for this particular thing, that's why I call it out. Their ice cream machine is broken. Their shake machine is broken. You have a critical feature like that that's broken that people are expecting to work and the equipment's not functioning properly. That spreads virally very quickly.
1: I was at a hotel last week and the ice machines were broken on every floor like a five floor hotel, a small hotel. I, I couldn't understand how it's possible that could happen there and, the, and there was a big sign that said, if you need ice go to the first floor. Now not the biggest thing in the world, but you got you know, I'm thinking well maybe I want to go to the second floor or the third floor and it was not available on any floor. I, I just couldn't believe it. it was uh, very surprising to me. so but anyway you know, you know listen it, it is what it is. So th- this isn't about um, you know really uh, bashing any of these companies, but really learning from what they do well, because uh, every company does things well, and and there's places where they can improve. And if they didn't do things well, they wouldn't be able to stay in business. I mean, they they if they had to have those good things that they do. Um, but one thing that you know is different about little companies and big companies. Little companies are great innovators. They they come up with ideas, and big companies are better operators, where they buy the little companies and then they run them or grow them because they can do better. At that they have more resources, they have better processes, management. Uh, you know, entrepreneurial people tend to be a little bit wild, uh, which is why they come up with all these ideas. So let's talk about some, some smaller companies that have become larger and, and maybe what happens in the transition from when they go from medium size to larger size. Any, any thoughts about uh, any companies come to mind in that category?
2: Yeah, I would say some of the software companies I've been watching lately, one of them is uh, Gainsight, and they actually are, they provide software for customer service, customer success. But what's interesting about them is you could go back about three years ago when their software, uh, it's integrated into, or it's an app for Salesforce.com as an example. Um, You go back to their old reviews and you had people saying, yeah, it's a good product, but it's not there yet. And so they've done a lot of work. Now you go out there to the, to the Salesforce site to look at the reviews and they're just talking about how great the software is, how amazing the people are. And they just, a friend of mine was just at the Gainsight conference. There was 5,000 people there, I think users. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's exploded, but the essence of it comes back to, they understand that it's not just about the customer and and reacting to the customer in the moment. What's really fascinating about Gainsight is they've created this whole concept of customer success. And I don't think they're the first to talk about customer success, but they're the first that I see that they're really creating an entire pathway for people who are coming in as customer service agents, moving to this level of customer success. And, And customer success is proactive as opposed to reactive. And so Gainsight is creating these conferences, educational events, and all that to create a pathway for the careers of people who are in customer success. And as a result, mm. they're winning really loyal customers who are saying, hey, you helped me get a promotion, so I'm going to be loyal to you and bring your software wherever I go with me. So,
1: so let's just talk about the culture. Have they created a culture, and can you define what it is? And yeah, I mean, is it, and is it, has it stayed intact as they've grown?
2: I, I would say that they've created a culture that has improved as they've grown, um, really starting out from just being a technology company, trying to build a product that's going to work well, to now being a company that really believes they have to be helping their customers grow as individuals, as well as creating software that supports that process. And I think it's the people first culture that they have created within their own company and that they they really share with their, their customers, that makes the big difference for them.
1: Wow. You know, Tony, this, is, this has been a very fascinating discussion. We're, uh, we're out of time here, but I just want to say thank you very much. You want to share your contact info and uh, let us know where people can, can reach you if they want to reach you?
2: Absolutely. LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You can find me with Tony Bodo. That's T-O-N-Y-B-O-D-O-H. Or you can go to my website, which is TonyBodo.com.
1: Very good. Well, listen, we'll, uh, we'll have it up on the website too. So, hey, listen, thanks very much for uh, being part of this, for being in this discussion, sharing your ideas. Very fascinating. And uh, let's build some culture. What do you say? I love the
2: idea, Joel. Thanks. Take care.
1: You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more strategies and to learn more, visit joelblock.com.